Welcome back to another episode of Fearless. I am so grateful. There have been so many new listeners to Fearless over the last few months. So since my family and I are in Alaska working with Samaritan's Purse over the summer, I've decided to pick a few of my favorite episodes to share with you in case you have missed them and have not heard them. And today we're going to talk about a fearless faith begins with fear. I know that can be a tongue twister and kind of hard to say. Um, but it dawned on me one day that really to have a fearless faith, it had to begin with a fear of the Lord. And Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we need to have a healthy view of what fearing the Lord is. And fearless is a word that we use here on the podcast all the time. My podcast is named fearless. It's a word that's so important to me, but it can have different meanings in different stages of life and different connotations. But we, are, of course, are living in a hostile um culture that's increasingly hostile to biblical truth, of course. And I wrote a fearless family devotional for those that didn't know. Um, and it's a study on First Peter. It's only 14 days long, but it's to help equip you to spend daily time in God's word and to help you prepare your family to have a fearless faith. And Peter, of course, he wrote this short letter to believers who are living in turbulent times, just like we are today. And I will put a link in the show notes of how you can get your own copy, but it's also on my website, sissygramlynch.com. Glad you could join me on another episode of Fearless today. Welcome back. It was kind of an unplanned uh, family affair on these last three weeks of Fearless, but I'm so thankful for my dad and my brother Edward to join me Fearless. And it was especially fun to finally get my mom on Fearless. And I have had so much positive feedback about my mom's episode. Everybody has loved it. I have sent her many of y'all's messages. She was so embarrassed by it. I didn't even tell her that the episode went live. And I told her people already want her back. And so I am planning on that. Hopefully we will get her back on some episodes like parenting and more focus on marriage and ministry. So thank you for all your support. I just feel humbled that you would want to spend a little bit of your day listening to me and the guests that I love and look up to. And so thank you. Thank you for all your support. But today, I don't have another family member. It is just me, me and the microphone. And I've had a message just on my heart that I've wanted to share with you. But over the last few months, I've realized to have a fearless faith, it begins with fear. That I believe that you cannot have a sustaining, fearless faith without fear. And you're probably like, well, what do you mean by that? Before we can face this world, I believe we have to have a fear of God. I don't think we live, of course, in a generation and even inside the church that we truly fear God, that we might not see him as a holy God. And Proverbs 1-7 declares that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And we see this phrase throughout scripture, but what does it mean to fear God? And for a non-believer, somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, they could see the fear of God as maybe like they're shrinking back in terror. They're, they're afraid, maybe afraid of his wrath and his anger. They fear judgment, death, and hell. But for a believer, it's just quite different. 
You know, it means that we revere God, that we know He's a holy God, and we submit our lives to Him. And I can remember when I was a lot younger and struggling with this phrase of fear of God and what's the real definition of that and how that looked. To me, the best way I can put it and the most simple way is that we take God seriously. And that's what to fear God means. You're going to take Him seriously. You're going to take God seriously. You're going to take His holy word seriously and that know that you are serving a holy God. So anytime I see that phrase, fear God, I replace it with take seriously. And I guess there's other words that you could use maybe that best, but anytime you see that phrase in scripture, replace it with words like respect or honor or revere. You know, there's a reverence for the Lord. You respect the Lord. You honor the Lord. And for me, it's you're going to take the Lord seriously. That's what has always worked for me the best. Greg Laurie said, one good definition of fearing the Lord is a wholesome dread of displeasing Him. Let me say that again. It's a wholesome dread of displeasing Him, that you love God so much and that you recognize His holiness that you would never want to displease Him, not because of dread or fear, but because of your love towards Him. So I love that definition of a wholesome dread of displeasing Him. But until you know, we understand who God is and um, develop this fear of Him, we cannot have true wisdom. You know, true wisdom comes only from understanding who He is. You know, that He's holy, that the scripture says He's just, that He is righteous, um, that He is truth. And I read this quote that said, fearing God means having such a reverence for Him that it has such a great impact on the way we live our lives. The fear of God is respecting Him, obeying Him, submitting to His discipline, and worshiping Him in awe. And so, like I said, for me, it's just, you're going to take God seriously in every aspect of your life. And biblically fearing a holy and perfect God, it's a blessing that helps us spiritually flourish it helps us to know him, to receive his forgiveness and understand, you know, his mercy and his grace. But it's a blessing that too many are missing. And it's a blessing I think too many Christians are missing. You just think about how much, you know, unimaginable mistakes and pain and destructive decisions and unnecessary hurt that come from our own choices that we could have avoided if we experienced, you know, the blessings of peace and stability and forgiveness and joy when we fear the Lord. But when we fear God, it helps us to know Him more fully and to gain a glimpse of His wisdom, you know, gives us a little bit of access to His understanding of His treasures. And the Bible says it will even prolong our life. But I think people often forget He's holy, that God is a holy God, and we try to justify God kind of on our terms and what truth and what righteousness what grace would look like on our terms. But I think we forget He's holy and that we in no way are deserving of God's love. I was just talking about this with Kay Arthur, my Bible study, that I think a, a younger generation, we don't see Him as holy. And nothing captures that better than Isaiah's words in Isaiah 6, when the presence of God surrounded him in the temple. And Isaiah, he cried out uncontrollably, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. 
And Isaiah, he humbly and honestly and emotionally confessed his unclean status before a holy God. And an angel touched his lips and his guilt and sin were no more. And Isaiah's understanding of reality and fear of the Lord was just the first just the first step to, you know, to set him free and to make him clean. And then that is how each of us are. We're to rightly confess our sinful status before a holy and perfect God who provided the perfect lamb, and that's Jesus Christ. And a healthy fear of God brings eternal blessing, and it helps us in this lifetime. And we're missing out of it, I believe. I think many people are missing out because we don't see him as holy. We don't fear him in a healthy way. And in Psalm 112, it gives us an insight of a stable character of someone who fears God, but it also shows us the generational promise. And I'm going to read that. Psalm 112 says, Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth, and the generation of the upright will be blessed. And you see, it says his descendants will be mighty on earth. That's a generational promise of the man who fears the Lord. And what does that mean? To take the Lord seriously. And how do you do that? And then the first verse, it says, who greatly delights in his commandments, that you know his word, that you delight in his word, that you live by it. But it goes on in verse 7. For those who fear the Lord, he will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is upheld, and he will not fear until he looks with satisfaction on his adversaries. He has given freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And I just look at that as the character of a man who fears the Lord, that he's not going to fear evil that he will face in this world because he knows God's word, he knows his commandments, and we don't fear the evil around us. But instead, his heart, it says, is steadfast in trusting the Lord because it's his word that gives us the peace in knowing him. And his heart is upheld and he gives to the poor and his righteousness endures forever. And I, to me, I look at that as the character of somebody who does fear the Lord. But I read in a recent thing, someone had asked my grandfather, how can we fear God and also love him at the same time? Isn't that a contradiction? And his response said, the Bible's command to fear God and yet also love him may seem like a contradiction at first, but once you understand what the Bible actually means, the contradiction goes away. And he said, let me explain. It's true that the Bible repeatedly tells us to fear God. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people in the world revere him. But what does it mean to fear? We usually you know, fear something such as a vicious dog or a violent storm when we expect it to harm us. In other words, we fear something that has no concern for us, and it is a source of constant danger to us. But that isn't what God is like. God created us, and He also loves us. And the proof is that He sent His only Son into the world to die for our sins. Would He have done this if He hated us? And no, of course not. We know the answer. The Bible says in 1 John 4, this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And if you read farther down in 1 John 4, 18, it says that perfect love casts out fear. The fear cast out for a follower of Christ 
is the fear of judgment. If we're a follower of Christ, we don't have to fear that. Because verse 17 says, love is perfected for those who confess Christ as Lord because they have the confidence in the day of judgment. And, you know, for a committed follower of Jesus Christ, you know, we have been made clean through his finished work that he did on the cross and through his resurrection. And of course, we're undeserving. And it was through his love and his mercy that we are given the righteousness of Christ after he became the complete and total payment for our sin. So as Christians, we no longer have to fear that eternal judgment that the world has to fear because of the finished work of what Jesus did on the cross. And God's word says the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life and helps us to know how to live. It teaches us how to know God, how to please him. And it teaches us how to love him with all of our heart. And it also teaches us ways to avoid destructive paths, no matter how appealing they are in this world. When we know God, it gives us that discernment. We're in confusing times. And I think in Proverbs 3, it just teaches us that the Lord, when we fear the Lord, he gives us discernment when we know his word, that when we face different circumstances in this world, we don't have to fear because we know that we can stand in strength in his word. So when we have this just healthy reverence of God and we have his word hidden in our heart, that helps us to fear God and not man. I do have major concerns, I think, inside the church regarding the fear of God. And I think a struggle is that this generation rising up in the church, we're trying to justify uh, sin has become personal to us, whether you know we know and love somebody that is gay or we um, try to do a, a social justice over biblical justice. And so we're trying to like wrestle with God and try to bring him down to our level and justify things. And it's like we've almost like humanized God. Of course, there's no greater friend in Jesus. But I think so many people now have seen him as such a friend that they don't see him as holy anymore. You know, you think of our church settings, a lot of times is we're not going to holy grounds to worship a holy God. We're going to get our coffee and we're going to have fun and have this experience of this performance and band and fog and music. And we're being performed to instead of worshiping and remember that we're worshiping a holy God. And not all of these things are bad, so I want to be very clear and understand me. You know, we, we've made these buildings that are just more like warehouses, and those are churches, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that because it's to make people feel comfortable and to come in, dress the way that you are, come however. But I just think there's a way that we don't see it as holy anymore. Some of these are not bad. I just think it's the heart of things behind it. Um, I see pastors don't even take their Bible up to the pulpit anymore. You know, you're on holy grounds. You're there to worship God, to know his word. And pastors aren't even taking their Bible up anymore. They're not reading from the Bible. It's all become more of an experience of making us feel comfortable. And how can we live life more easy and better for us instead of worshiping a holy God who we are to fear? So it's kind of one of my concerns. I've probably dug myself a hole there. But without having a holy God and seeing him as a holy God, it would be hard to fear him, to take him seriously. So what are the major concerns? You know, one of them is, is the church fearing man more than God? You know, in this cultural moment that we are facing and the church far too often makes just small and tiny compromises to move toward socially uncomfortable positions. 
you know, with no fear of the Lord, without taking him seriously, lacking in the knowledge and the wisdom and understanding to recognize that they are rejecting God's design and God's instruction and the way that we are to live our lives because of the things that we're facing, whether they've become social norms, whether they're becoming trendy topics and catchy situations, we've unintentionally or maybe intentionally have have compromised in this world. And we see that happening in the church. And it is disobedience to God's word and you're leading others astray. We have a progressive Christianity, which we have addressed and the dangers of that movement on a previous episode, but you have progressive pastors pushing different uh, justices like reproductive justice. Reproductive justice advocates for the freedom to end a life of a child growing inside the womb. This is a genocide that's happening on our hands. You know, they're advocating to end it um, just months or weeks before the delivery And this is just wicked, and it's a sin, and our culture, including some churches, have no fear of the Lord, the creator of life, that they won't even stand against this wickedness. And we watch churches and social media influencers placing like a social justice over a biblical justice. Just right before I started recording, I saw a pastor, um, just a a woke pastor putting something that was divisive, that wasn't true on their Instagram page. It was a false narrative by the media and without doing much research. And so they've become more worried about the social justice instead of a biblical justice, which once again, we've discussed that issue on a previous episode of Fearless that you can learn more about. But the Bible says the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance are the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. And how often do we as Christians, you and me, how often do we turn a blind eye to the evil around us because we don't take God seriously? How about the Netflix shows we watch, the music we listen to for fun? How about the filthy language that we use or we allow others to use around us or around our children? Just like I was talking about the reproductive justice of of abortion in our community, are we as a church standing up against that? I know so many churches don't even discuss abortion because, you know, I think it's one of three or one out of four in the church have had an abortion of women in the church have had an abortion. So, of course, many churches don't even want to touch on that because they don't want to make it uncomfortable for somebody. Because once again, going back, it makes it about the experience of making somebody feel comfortable coming to church, not coming to church to learn and to serve a holy God and to fear Him. But when we fear God, when we take Him seriously, the Bible says we should have this hatred towards evil. We should not be turning our backs on this evil. I mean, we think of, look at Hollywood. Think how wicked Hollywood is. And we continue to give them our money. We all see These entertainers, these elites, especially after the Emmys, like none of them had to have masks because the L.A. County said is because they were entertainers. But um, you just you saw at the Met Gala, just the wickedness at the Met Gala. um, Somebody held up a purse and it said, and gay we trust. Government officials and academics, you know, they just kind of mock prayers when it comes to like tragic events in our culture. 
Uh, even a moment of silence in a school has been struck down by the Supreme Court because it may be endorsing the practice of praying to a supreme being. And there's just such a hostility towards God instead of a reverence towards the Lord. And every day we see rejection of God's design for gender. Oh my goodness, think of what the young culture is facing today and how we live in a world that is rejecting how God designed the human body. You look back just like 50 years ago, most people feared God, even if they weren't um, a person that just had a daily relationship with, with Christ, they still had this fear of God. They knew God was real. They took him seriously. And we don't see that anymore. You know, in non-believers, they ignore God's word. And that shouldn't be a surprise to us, right? They have no firm foundation for truth. So truth can be anything they want it to be. But for us as the church, we know truth. That begins with fearing God. How often do we focus on the holy, perfect, loving, and powerful God who cannot accept evil and wickedness into his presence? That to remember that we are sinners and he is holy, we can't justify the world that we see it now with a holy God. That so many in the church growing up right now don't even see him as holy but he can't have any wickedness inside of his presence. And we don't understand that. But the greatest thing is yet he first loved us and entered history on earth as fully human and fully God. And he became perfect sacrifice to wash us clean so that we can one day worship in his presence for eternity. And that is our hope. That's what I've talked about having this eternal mindset before on fearless that we will worship with a holy God in eternity. And He, God, is worthy of our fear. He's worthy of our obedience. He is worthy of us submitting our life to Him and worshiping Him and praising Him. And within the church, you know, they continue to try to conform to the world, to make people feel comfortable, to compromise. And we've lost that reverence of the Lord. And we've lost, I think, the power of His word where we have feared man, we have feared our culture, we have feared um, government more than God. And to be honest, we've all had those moments. We, we've all had those moments of fear where we have compromised, just like Peter did. But we're going to have to recognize what's happening. And we, as a church, we have to start teaching the next generation that he's a holy God and he is worthy to be feared and to fear the Lord, to take him seriously so that we can stand in this world and be able to take action and to have a healthy fear of the Lord and to remember that fearing the Lord brings wisdom and knowledge and understanding. It helps us prolong our life. It brings us to repentance and obedience. And yes, our culture at large they're going to ignore God. And the days can get harder and they can get more difficult, but we have to know that we cannot compromise our faith. That I think to have a fearless faith, it has to begin with fear. And that's to fear the Lord. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Once again, it's a generational promise. Psalm 61 says, you have given me 
the inheritance of those who fear your name. And I'm so thankful for the godly inheritance of my great-grandparents, my grandparents, my parents. My prayer now is that my children will know that their mama fears the Lord, how thankful I am for the inheritance. And I want to encourage you, pray about this, read about it. I want to encourage you to give them the same inheritance to your children or to your grandchildren that they know you fear the Lord. You take Him seriously. I hope today's episode has encouraged you to fear the Lord and to dig deep into His Word. Once again, I want to encourage you to check out Fearless Family Devotional. You can look in my show notes or on my website, sissygramlynch.com. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, always helping you have a fearless faith and a compromising culture. 